Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Marie RD, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. So excited for today's episode. It's going to be you and me today. It's a solo pod. And I'm diving into some very big feelings that I have about a certain profession that loves to give lots of advice to unsuspecting women. And um, yeah, if you can't figure out where I'm going with this yet, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Before we dive in, I wanted to talk about today's review of the week winner, UT Aggie. Thank you for taking the time to leave a review. UT Aggie is now the winner of an awesome, totally free masterclass of their choosing. So you can choose one that's going to help you with intra-run hydration, with stopping sugar cravings, with embracing your runner bod, whatever you want, UT Aggie, you get to choose. So just DM me at Serena Marie RD and I will pass it along to you. And if you are listening to this and you want a free masterclass, all you got to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So UT Aggie said, I found Serena on Instagram where she provides lots of great content related to nutrition and running and recently started listening to her podcast. She shares a ton of great healthy content and promotes taking care of and appreciating your body. It's a great short listen for runs or drives. Thank you. Thank you, girlfriend. So, so appreciative. And make sure you message me. Make sure you grab that free masterclass. And if you're listening and you haven't left me a review yet, what are you doing with your life? Please take the one minute to scroll down on Apple Podcasts to find where those are little stars, where the little stars are. That is where you're going to click. You're going to write, leave a review. And if you leave me a five-star review and you hear it read on the podcast, you win a free masterclass. Okay, so today, today's topic, what are we talking about? We are talking about what happens if your doctor tells you to go on a diet, tells you to lose weight, and namely today we're really going to be talking about a low-carb diet or a low-calorie diet. Now, I have heard clients tell me that they have been told to do very specific diets, like something like a low FODMAP diet, sometimes there's evidence to support that. You know, I don't want to act like there's never a time and a place to change your nutrition, um, your approach to nutrition, right? However, when a doctor just kind of gives you a blanket statement to fast or to go low carb or to try keto, um, a lot of times what that basically means is the doctor reads a lot of Cosmo magazine, (laughs) Like the doctor is following some crazy person on Instagram. My point is, it says nothing about the doctor and their training around nutrition because doctors don't know anything about nutrition. And I really say this with a lot of respect. You know, I want you to know that I am a dietitian who worked in the clinical setting for. Geez, how long did I work in the clinical setting? I mean, it was over 10 years. And I have a lot of respect for Western medicine. Like, I worked in a hospital during COVID. Um, doctors and nurses 
nurse practitioners, physician assistants, um, you know, also dietitians, just a little shout out. We were some of the bravest, most incredible people doing like the bravest things um, during the, the height of the pandemic. So I have a lot of respect for doctors and I know they want to help people. Um, but I think they have an issue of when I was training to become, you know, a dietitian, I was taught to defer. I was taught, you know, if someone tries to ask you a question about their diagnosis, you have to say, sorry, I need to defer to your doctor. If someone has a question about their swallow function, sorry, I need to defer to the speech language pathologist. I don't know if that's taught in medical school, like if doctors learn to defer to other disciplines. Um, and I think nutrition is one of those things where everybody eats and therefore people think like, oh, I'm an expert on food because I'm a doctor and I eat. I mean, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. I do know when I have had doctor friends during my years working in clinical, this was something that would come up and I uh, drilled it into those people to always defer to a dietitian. So I, I never really got a chance to pick their brain because I kind of like brainwashed them the moment I met them to be like, hey, defer to dietitians. You don't know if about nutrition and they were like, yeah, you're right. We took one class or half a class on nutrition in medical school and then that's it. Okay. So <laughs> here's the deal. Here is what happens. I, at the end of December, so like before the break for the holidays, um, I have an amazing membership for all of my graduated clients. It's called Team Food Freedom Athletes. And every month we have a catch-up call where essentially we just like kind of grab a seat, sit on Zoom and we chat and we catch up and we talk about our races or, you know, what's going on in our life. If you have a question about nutrition, you can ask me. It's a really fun, supportive environment. And oddly enough, um, during the December team call, it was almost like every single woman who had attended the call in December had had some kind of nightmare um, encounter with their doctor. So I had one gal, she is going through perimenopause. She waited months to get into this specialist for women's health, um, essentially just tell her to, you know, stop eating carbs, but it's okay to keep drinking wine instead of carbs. I had another lady, same situation, has, um, she's in perimenopause menopause, waited months to see a specialist, and essentially was just kind of like told like, are you sure you don't want to go on Ozempic, you know, repeatedly, even though this person kind of was very clear in that like, I have a healthy relationship with food, I'm a runner, all the things, and the doctor could only see their body size as an issue. Um, I had another gal who was essentially, you know, just kind of went to her doctor um, for a, a checkup and this person didn't have any weird labs or anything going on. And the doctor was just kind of like, hey, do you want to try um, one of these weight loss injectables? So my point is, is that doctors right now are really pushing um, – an agenda. You know, there, there's this miracle drug out there, these weight loss injectables, and they are pushing them because I'm sure it's quite profitable. And, um, you know, in this world that we live in, we are taught that thinner equals healthier, thinner equals better. And the doctors really aren't doing a good job of that 
weighing the risk benefit of, hey, this person has healthy lifestyle habits, is in good health. Maybe they are not falling where you know, society deems as healthy, quote unquote, on the BMI chart. But again, doctors don't understand how BMI is bullshit. And if you need to refresh why that is true, you can go back and listen to that episode. I encourage you to do so. Um, But I think right now we're living in this world where people, again, are really obsessed with weight loss and really obsessed with being in their thinnest body. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, the way culture works is we had had this moment where um, I don't want to say we've ever been a culture that was accepting of fat bodies because that would be a big fat lie. Um, But I think we had a moment there a few years ago where we were accepting, um, you know, women who were in curvier bodies or women who were in more muscular bodies and fitter bodies rather than this very like waif thin body. And then essentially what I think happened is these weight loss ejectables went on the market. All of these celebrities were able to achieve this very, very thin um, body. And now it is very like chic again to have that super thin, you know, 90s look about you. And I think this is even affecting doctors and how doctors think about what a healthy body should look like. It's just so funny, right? Like if we think about the human body and how evolution works, it takes millions of years for evolution to make an adjustment, to have an advantageous adjustment happen um, in the human body. And yet if we think about like how quickly um, fashion and society changes which body type is in vogue and is stylish and is good, quote unquote, I mean, this is happening constantly. Like I'm 35 years old and I can just remember the 90s when it was very in quote unquote to be super, super thin, have your clavicle, you know, your sternum bones, um, your hip bones protruding, like that really, really thin look was in. And then I can remember, you know, this movement towards having this like curvier body, Kim Kardashian type body. I can remember this movement towards the CrossFit body, like the very muscular body being accepted. And now we're kind of back to that 90s, like super skeleton body being in vogue. Um, And if we think back in history, we can think of like when the Marilyn Monroe body was, you know, readily um, stylish and readily acceptable, right? Like we can just think about how bodies and like which bodies are in vogue are constantly evolving way faster than evolution will ever allow to, um, you know, have our body adjust. And it's sickening. Like it's, it's just, it's weird that we've decided to make certain body types fashionable. And I think it's also like kind of sad. It's like, okay, maybe people in fat bodies were considered stylish in like the 1800s or something. Don't quote me on that. I don't know. A long time ago. But in modern society, like those bodies haven't even really had their moment in the sun. I don't know. I'm just thinking like if we're going to do this to bodies, can we at least give every single body type a turn? Um, You know, it's just, it's gross. Okay. So I'm getting a little bit off, um, 
off subject here. And I think it's because honestly, when I'm thinking back to that December team meeting where these women were showing up, and these are women, remember, who have been working on, they are runners. They are women who have been working on their relationship with food, reducing the mental stress that food and eating had given them. They have been working with a dietitian, So we've been increasing their fiber intake, their bean intake, their color intake, their protein intake. These are healthy women. And so the fact that a doctor just like meets them, looks at their body size, or hears their perimenopause um, and assumes that that means they need a weight loss injectable or a low carb diet. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get doctors because I know how smart doctors are. And I know doctors are very acutely aware of how when you meet a patient, you can't just one size fits all them, right? Like you have to understand this person has diabetes. Where did their diabetes come from? You know, you have to look at the etiology, the source, the creation of each disease state. But for some reason, when it comes to things like your body weight or, you know, these very particular women health issues like perimenopause, it's it's this very sexist, like one size fits all approach of like eat less carbs, take a weight loss injectable. You're not healthy until you lose weight. You want to kind of scratch your head and ask yourself, isn't it interesting if the human body actually has a predisposition to gain weight as we become older? Do we want to kind of wonder, maybe there's an evolutionarily an evolutionary advantage there. And data shows that women who are in um, larger bodies, if as they get older, you know, they're less likely to have a hip fracture, that if they have some kind of trauma and they end up in the ER, they're less likely to die if they at, are, are at a higher BMI or body weight, right? So I do think it's a little bit interesting of how we just kind of see gaining weight as a bad thing, even though there's actually data to show that as we get older, having some of that extra weight on our body can actually be advantageous. So I think it's just so interesting that we ignore the data that supports that weight gain weight gain can be good. There's actually a study, it's called, um, they call it like the obesity paradox. And essentially what it shows is that as you gain weight, as you get older, you're less likely to die. And they call it a paradox because they're like, well, this is so weird because being in a higher body weight, you know, obesity, quote unquote, I don't know. We should have a whole other discussion about the origin of the word obesity. (laughs) Honestly, we have to do that. That needs to be an upcoming episode. Um, But It's this paradox because how could you possibly have a reduced likelihood of death if you're in a larger body? Like literally, instead of just like seeing the science and accepting like, okay, that is where the data has, that is the conclusion the data has given us is that gaining weight is not equal death. Instead, they call it a paradox. It's like, what? That would be like the eating broccoli paradox. It's like clearly when you eat broccoli, you become healthier. But they're like, no, that can't be true. We have already decided when we met a piece of broccoli that it is bad for you. And therefore, if eating the sulfur-rich vegetable reduces your risk of cancer, it's a paradox. It makes no fucking sense. It's disgusting. I... I am just, I am at my wits end. Okay. I am really doing a bad job staying on topic right now. We're talking about 
really we're talking about women who are in perimenopause. We're really just like honing in on my homies who are in perimenopause or in postmenopause. You go to the doctor and you're frustrated. You're like, I am tired. I don't feel the way I used to feel. My sex drive is down. My energy is down. I'm not sleeping well. I've gained all this weight. And what is the doctor here? You gained weight. Oh, you need to eat less carbs. Oh, you need to exercise more. Oh, you need a weight loss injectable. Hello, doctor. I just gave you a laundry list of symptoms and you are fixating on the fact that I have gained weight. You are assuming it is my fault. Instead of being a doctor and looking at weight gain as a symptom and looking at it as um, you know, part of a, a, a system of things that are happening to my body as I become a woman who's experiencing perimenopause or postmenopause, this happens to every woman. It is inevitable. How is there, how are doctors this clueless about it? I mean, this is not like a weird, con, rare condition. Every woman is going to, you know, God hoping we make it, we're alive that long, we're gonna hit perimenopause. And yet, all these doctors are just sitting there scratching their heads. They're calling themselves women specialists and they don't know a thing. And actually what they're suggesting is to stop eating carbs, to restrict calories, to take injectables so that you actually eat less. And here I am, a dietitian, and I'm like sitting here absolutely furious because this advice is hurting women. It is not helping women. And as a doctor, is not your purpose in life to help your patients. What is wrong with you people? I'm sorry. Again, I have so much respect for doctors. You need a liver transplant? Please see a doctor. You um, have cancer? Please see a doctor. Like doctors do amazing things. But at the same time, there is something about women's health. There is something about weight science that just makes them put their blinders on and they just become dumb as rocks. When you tell a woman who is in perimenopause to eat less, to eat less than her biological need for calories, you are harming her. You are not supporting her transition into menopause. When you tell a woman in perimenopause to stop eating carbohydrates, and in particular right now, I am really focused on my population, which is active women, women who are lifting weights, women who are runners. Okay. That is really who I'm talking to right now. You are shooting them in the leg. You are really hurting them. You are harming them because that is not helpful advice. And it is the advice that we have been conditioned and brainwashed to hear and believe. And so women are leaving their doctor's office and they are feeling so bad about themselves because they have already been eating less. They have already been skipping carbs. And now they think I need to low carb harder. I need to restrict harder. I have, if the problem is, is that once a week I get a bagel with my running buddy, I got to cut that out. The problem is what twice a week I have ice cream with my partner. I need to stop doing that. I'm the problem. It's me. Uh-uh. You know, what's the problem? The medical system. When you are going through perimenopause, essentially what is happening is when we have a cycle before perimenopause, right? When you have a cycle, you are having an, your ovaries are creating an egg, right? There's like the chosen egg each month, that chosen egg matures, it um, is released, it creates a bunch of estrogen in the body. 
creates a corpus luteum, which creates a bunch of progesterone. And then if the egg is not fertilized, that's when we have our period, right? And all those hormones kind of tank again. And essentially that egg, right? That o- the ovary releasing the egg each month is playing a huge role in us creating estrogen and progesterone, <coughs> which is going to um, give us those reproductive hormones that not only give us our period, but also help us to um, have our shape, our female shape, right? It's also going to help us have more energy. It also is going to help us um, aromatize some of that estrogen to testosterone, which helps us build muscle. It's going to help us feel sexual and like ready to get it on, right? Like it does so many things for us having these healthy hormones, having that cycle does so many beneficial things for us. And then when we hit perimenopause, what's happening is some months there isn't an egg because our our ovaries are shutting down, right? What is menopause? It's when your ovaries have shut down. They're no longer creating an egg or producing an egg anymore. All those eggs have have died off. And um, that is menopause, right? The, The not having a menstrual cycle or a period for a year. So you are essentially, when you're in perimenopause, some months you're getting your period because you do have that egg, it's happening, but some months you don't because you don't have an egg, or maybe you have a bunch of eggs start to mature and then none of them actually hatch or get released. Uh, Hatched is not really the right word here, but like get released, right? Um, Maybe the egg that does get released is kind of old and is not really creating enough estrogen to really be like supportive and help you feel good in your skin. So perimenopause is this time when we can't really lean on our menstrual cycle anymore to give us that, you know, hefty dose of estrogen and progesterone balancing each other each month to help us feel, you know, more energized and to have a libido and to feel more focused and to have clarity and to help us sleep. Progesterone plays a huge role in like us feeling calm and sleeping well. So we lose this ability. And so what happens in menopause or what happens in perimenopause when you don't have that egg, when you don't have that cycle to rely on? That's when we have to kind of go into our savings account. Where is our savings account? Okay, all of us have this. Even if you have your cycle right now, I have, like, I still get my cycle and my 35 years old. You know, I'm still worried about my savings account. And so even if you're listening to this, you're like, I'm not in perimenopause, Serena. Like, I don't give a crap. You should give a crap because, um, okay, a little side story here. Um, my husband and I went to Paris. This was before we were married and we were like at the top of the Eiffel Tower and it's gorgeous, right? It's just like this like magical experience. Like you're on the Eiffel Tower. It's all lit up. Paris is all lit up at night. It's beautiful. And there's this guy and he's standing there with his family. And he turns to like his family and he goes, I don't give a crap who you are. This is beautiful. And so um, my husband and I always say like, I don't give a crap because this guy, it was just so funny. We were in the middle of Paris. And anyway, okay, totally off topic here. So I don't give a crap if you are in perimenopause or not. We need to be worried about our savings account. So what is our savings account? We no longer have this cycle, you know, creating this beautiful estrogen progesterone dance for us each month. And so what are we leaning on to create sex hormones in menopause? we're actually leaning on our adrenal glands, okay? So now we no longer have this reliable cycle, or if you're in menopause, you don't have that cycle to create sex hormones. So, okay, so yeah, the adrenal glands are not creating the same amount of estrogen and progesterone and sex hormones that your ovaries were. Like, it's not the same. But the little amount of estrogen those adrenals make, they're important because 
first of all, it's going to protect your skeleton. Again, thinking about my runner girls out there, we don't want to be in menopause. And, you know, I don't know about you. I fall on a regular basis when I go running. Like I'm just clumsy. I don't want to fall and break my hip, right? I don't want to fall and break my leg because I don't have estrogen being created by my adrenal glands to protect my skeleton. Estrogen is protective of your skeleton if you did not know that. Estrogen plays a very important role in protecting your skeleton, which is why when women who do get a cycle cease to get a cycle due to undereating or overexercising, they tend to have a lot of injuries. It's because we no longer have estrogen protecting the skeleton. So, um, so the adrenal glands are now responsible for making this small amount of estrogen, but that estrogen is important. It is going to help us feel a little bit more human, and it's also going to help us protect our skeleton. And some of that is going to get actually aromatized into testosterone. So adrenal glands are still making testosterone, which is going to help you build muscle, which is going to help you um, keep your metabolism high as long as you are doing things like walking and engaging in resistance training and eating enough protein. So what is the problem with telling a woman who is in peri or postmenopause to eat a very, very low calorie diet, to take a Ozempic and to shut down her appetite so she's eating minimal amount of calories a day, or telling a woman in peri or postmenopause to go keto or go low carb? The issue is, is that the adrenal glands are very sensitive to restriction. Okay. So if you are now not eating enough to support your three mile run or your 13 mile run or your 20 mile run, you're not eating enough to support your orange theory fitness enjoyment or your CrossFit uh, hobby or your heavy lifting in the gym um, hobby. Then guess what happens? Your adrenal glands get stressed because you don't have enough fuel to support your activity. And when your adrenal glands are stressed, they prioritize making stress hormone. Your, your adrenal glands, they do a lot of things. They're not only creating that estrogen for the peri or postmenopausal woman. They're not only creating testosterone. They are also creating cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. And I think we've heard a lot about cortisol on Instagram, which I'm really happy that it's like getting its moment in the sun. Okay. Like cortisol is going to, as a stress hormone, it has a very healthy, physiologically necessary role in the body. But when it is chronically elevated because you have been under eating or under eating carbs or over exercising for a prolonged period of time, the body prioritizes the creation of cortisol. Now, cortisol is a stress hormone that is going to cause you to actually I mean, it does a lot of things. It has like system-wide effects. It's going to shut down your immune system. It's going to actually lead to more fat gain in your midsection. The thing that the doctor is trying to cure (laughs) is actually the thing they're making worse. But also it's now going to shut down our creation of estrogen and testosterone, those hormones that we actually need to keep a healthy skeleton, to feel a little bit more human, to build muscle right? Like you are actually prioritizing the creation of stress hormone over the creation of hormones that would be helpful for you feeling like a human. If you've met women 
who go through perimenopause and don't have a hard time, what's happening is in their body, they actually have an adrenal system that's working really well to support this transition. Their savings account is 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 hefty, right? Like they have the ability to lean on the adrenals, the backup plan to get them through this transition um, versus other. And of course, it's genetics too. Like I don't want you to feel fully responsible if your perimenopause journey has been a nightmare. But if we think about like how culture has set up women who are going through perimenopause, we're really not setting them up for success. Like from a very young age, I started restricting and over-exercising when I was 13 years old. I mean, so basically like if I had never found food freedom, I'm now 35, I would have been the last 23 years running marathons eating, you know, less than 1600 calories a day, depending on whatever season I was in 1600, 2200, whatever, not enough for me, essentially is what you need to know. And I would have been setting myself up to have no savings account, right? Like my savings account was zapped because my adrenal glands have been prioritizing creating cortisol over making other hormones that are going to be supportive of my health. My point being, if you are a woman in peri or postmenopause, any woman though, right, and you go to your doctor and you have this symptom of weight gain along with all these other symptoms and your doctor just says to you, here's Ozempic, they don't talk to you about other options. Listen, like these weight loss injectables when used correctly, they can be helpful. I'm not like 100% against injectables, but my point is, is with the women I was speaking to in my December team meeting, it was not appropriate. These women did not have diabetes. These women had tons of healthy habits. It was not an appropriate recommendation. If your doctor tells you to go low carb or fast, these are things that are going to tax our adrenal glands. They are not going to be setting you up for health. And I want you to tell your doctor, you don't know what you're talking about. I need a dietitian. I need you to link me up with somebody who can help me. I need you to link me up with someone who can run the correct labs to figure out what's going on in my body. Okay. So all this said, um, I hope that doesn't feel defeating. Like, I hope you feel like you're walking away from this conversation. Like, I learned something. I don't feel crazy. I don't hate myself. I'm not mad at myself. I have a lot of compassion for the situation I've been put in by our culture, by the medical system. It's not my fault. I hope you have a lot of questions and I hope you know that you can reach out to me um, or other dietitians on Instagram and start asking them. If you are a woman who is in peri or postmenopause and you are a runner training for a race this March, April, or May, Eat Like an Athlete Bootcamp, we start in one week. So if you want to sneak your butt in um, for our January 22nd cohort, make sure you DM me and use the word golden because that way I'll know you heard me on the podcast and I'll also give you a little um, podcast listener discount, uh, give you like a hundred bucks off. So if you're interested in joining Eat Like an Athlete Bootcamp, I dive into the science of how to properly fuel your active body. And we talk specifically about the adjustments we need to make for women who are in peri and postmenopause. I actually look, I ask you, actually send you a form so I can learn more about your hormones. And this goes for my women who are getting a cycle as well. And I ask you questions about your hormone history so I can really give you proper recommendations of how to fuel your unique body. So eat like an athlete bootcamp. We 
start Jan- uh, January 22nd. And if you would like to sneak in um, and grab that podcast listener discount, DM me the word golden. I'm super happy to chat with you and see if you would be a good fit. Um, but even if you know that is just not for you, you're not interested, Coolio, dude, I don't care. I just need you to know that low-carb dieting as a runner – fasting as a runner, low calorie diet, dieting as a runner. These things are not good for you. They are not healthy for you. And even if your doctor encourages it or recommends it, it is not an excuse to pursue that course of action unless you don't mind sacrificing your health in the pursuit of a very temporary weight loss. Remember at the two-year mark, 95% of people have gained that weight back and about a third of them have actually gained more weight than they initially had weighed before they went on that weight loss effort because their metabolism has been destroyed. Interestingly, actually, thinking out loud here, we don't really have data of what weight loss injectables does to that statistic. Because I would be willing to bet like every penny in my bank account right now, every buck in my bank account, that that statistic is going to change. Where not only now have 95% of people gained weight after two years, but I can almost bet you it's going to be way higher than just 33% of people gain more weight than they initially needed to lose. Like I guarantee it. If we looked at the people that specifically used a weight loss injectable, a hundred percent of them um, have actually gained more weight than they initially had been before they did the injectable because those injectables are so harmful to metabolism. They slow them down so dramatically. Um, Okay, friend, I needed to go on that little tirade. I can't really do this on Instagram because No one wants to listen to me for half an hour just like yell and complain and scream and pull my hair out, but I can do that here on the podcast, which is why I love you so much. I will talk to you next week, and um, if you have any feedback or questions, please send me a message on Instagram. I love talking about this stuff. I love answering your questions, and I hope you feel empowered after today's conversation. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear RunnerBot. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.